The information provided in this podcast is for general purposes only. Individual legal situations vary greatly, and viewers needing individual legal advice should consult directly with an attorney. Eligible ATPE members may contact the ATPE Member Legal Services Department. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE Podcast, brought to you by the Association of Texas Professional Educators and covering the hottest topics on Texas educators' minds today. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE Podcast. My name is David George, and I serve as the editor for ATPE News Magazine. Today, we're going to be discussing social media behavior for teachers, specifically the laws surrounding social media behavior and what educators can do to stay out of trouble with their districts, parents, and communities. We'd like to welcome back Jeff Kelly, who has served as a staff attorney in the ATPE Member Legal Services Department for the past seven years. We're excited to have you join us on the podcast once again. Glad to be here. Thank you. Now, Jeff, we know that there are legitimate educational reasons for teachers to use social media, and aspects of social networking sites possess quite a bit of educational potential. But given all the types of problems social networks uh, could cause for educators, would it be best to simply ask teachers not to engage in social networking, especially when it involves communicating with their students? Well, first off, let's look when we talked about the First Amendment. Context and the details matter. You know, in this sort of format, we're not able to get into specifics, so I can't really give actual legal advice. Uh, like I said at the top, this is more just information. Uh, but I can say that, you know, that there is a concern when there's social media interaction with the students. But simply saying teachers should not be engaging on social media at all is not realistic and frankly not fair. Social media is part of our everyday lives and we're all using it all the time. So the idea that teachers should be in some sort of bubble again, is just not realistic. And we're seeing some movement on that. You know, I think not too long ago, there was this concern of any social media use could be a problem. And we've even seen some cases recently where it's almost flipped, where the district is actually encouraging teachers to post on social media and talk about work in some cases. So there's definitely more of an understanding that social media is part of life and it's to be expected. But there is a concern, you know, when someone's personal social media use collides with their work life that's where we tend to see problems. And these are the same problems we see you know, in the news. You know, we hear cases all the time where someone works for you know, a private company and they post something or say something that offends someone or it causes some sort of controversy or it's contrary to what the company espouses and the company takes action. You know, they demote the person or censure them or even sometimes fire them for what they did. And then you know, on sort of the other extreme, we see people with a lot of power and authority the actual employers themselves in some cases. And then they post something that's offensive. And they, you know, maybe they don't get fired, but they have a lot of backlash. And there's a lot of controversy and a lot of rebuilding of the reputation they have to do. And teachers are somewhere in the middle. You know, they don't work for a private company. They work for, you know, a local government entity. So they do have some First Amendment protections. And they're not public figures, but they are under a bit more scrutiny. And there's more people probably paying attention and sharing the things that they post than just your average person. Well, let's talk for a moment about the gray areas uh, where the law is not always easy to articulate. How does the law currently navigate the waters between genuine concerns for First Amendment free speech rights and the district's desire to control perceptions? Well, I would say the district's definitely desire to control the perceptions, and that's kind of the concern here. Um, Like we talked about previously on the First Amendment podcast, you know, with the things like the First Amendment, there's so much 
uh, about the context and the nature of the speech, what it's about, where it is that matters. And so it's always a complicated analysis. With social media, it's, I would say, even less clear because it's still so new. You know, we're seeing a lot of evolution on it, but for courts, they're just now starting to review these cases. And so how they view it is evolving as we speak. And so we've seen cases where, you know, the same set of facts, the first person to review it says, you know, that was unacceptable. This teacher crossed the line. They should be, you know, the district is okay punishing them if they feel like it. And then the next person looks at it and says, no, the First Amendment is still involved here. The teacher has those protections. They had a right to say this. And then the next person on the exact same case says, absolutely no. The First Amendment is not present because this was too much about work, and therefore the district as an employer had an option you know, to do something. Now, for our perspective, you know, the cases that we see, I do want to be realistic here. Uh, no one calls me when they're having a good day. People call us when they've had a bad day. Uh, and when a lot of times the district has overstepped. So, you know, we see sort of the worst case scenarios. I know from my personal life, I have friends who are teachers who post things and it's not an issue. And now I, I you know in those cases, I you know, encourage them to make sure they have buy-in and the administration's aware of what's going on so there's no controversy for them. But, you know, it is something that people do, but it can go, go sideways for someone very quickly. And districts can be overprotective and overreact. You know, if they see something that they don't like or they hear about something that's out there. Now, they are public employers, so they, I think they should be more wary about disciplining a teacher for something they say or do in their personal life. But even like we talked about in the First Amendment, public employers still do have some rights to say, wait a minute, this has crossed the line for us. It's a matter of did they actually cross the line or not that we have to figure out. Talk to us about how school district policies attempt to govern acceptable online media use for teachers, administrators, uh, students, parents. Well, the policies tend to strongly discourage or even prohibit uh, those interactions through non-district channels. Um, so I do strongly recommend if educators are not familiar with those policies to you know, read up on their handbook. You can find most of the district policies online if they don't have a printed copy handy. Uh, if you look for the policies that talk about standards of conduct, that's typically where we look and see the language about what is the actual expectation. And most of the time when we look at those, it actually says that if it's not a district-approved channel, then you know, it should be, should be avoided altogether. And now, again, that's not realistic, and a lot of the policies acknowledge that, even though try to prohibit it, because you, know, you may be friends with a student's parent, and therefore you know them in your personal life, or the student may be a friend of the educator's own child, and so they have some level of interaction. But even when we see those policies, a lot of the times when it acknowledges one of those exceptions, it has very specific requirements that they have to get written permission or have some sort of approval from the administration or both to be completely safe. So understanding what those policies say and how those are laid out is very important. Um, if someone isn't sure, you know, I say, you know, get the clarification ideally from the district to make sure. And if the district is saying that the teacher has violated the policy, then, you know, get advice, you know, call your attorney or your association, find out, you know, this is what happened. Here's the facts of the case. And then we can do the analysis and figure out, did this really violate the policy? Is this actually an issue or is this sort of a panic mode, which we see a lot of the times from the districts? When do you, or when do schools feel justified in taking disciplinary action uh, against teachers when they're using social media? Well, 
uh, I would say that districts feel justified um, a lot more often than I think they are justified, of course, from my perspective. My job is to represent the educators. And so I think districts, again, should be more wary of taking action because the First Amendment is involved here. But those are district policies. And a lot of those policies, like I said, have very specific requirements for what is acceptable and what's not. And if the district thinks the teacher has violated those policies, then they may actually take action. You know, again, the first question becomes, is this really a violation of the policy or is this just a district you know, overacting and, and panicking? You know, one time we see this a lot is that the district will call someone in and have a meeting because they heard something. And the teacher doesn't necessarily know what the meeting's about. You know, they get called in thinking it's just a regular work meeting and then suddenly it's, you know, well, we heard you posted something, we're getting calls, we're getting complaints. You don't know where those are coming from. And especially, you know, something like social media, you may have just posted it to a small group of friends, but then they commented or shared it with their friends. And that circle just gets wider and wider so fast that we don't know who's calling the district initially. And sometimes the district hears there's any controversy and they don't know what it is and they panic. And that's why I mentioned the policies talk about non-district channels. And I think that is something to consider is that when there is something like a district approved channel that has like a social media component, that may be the best way to communicate with parents and students because it's already district approved. The district is already aware of it. They can see for themselves. They're not just hearing a rumor that someone's upset. They can look at it and know immediately and say, well, no, this is what they said. That's normal. This is not out of line. And it also kind of protects the teacher in some other ways because when we're dealing with a public employee and there's any sort of talk about work issues, there may be an obligation to preserve those records. That could be a public record. And so the teacher suddenly is supposed to keep track of that versus if it's on a district channel, the district already has it. Teacher doesn't have to stress about that. They don't have to worry and figure out, you know, do I have to keep this? What happens if I get a new phone or anything like that? Now, it's not everything has to be preserved, but people are sometimes surprised how much does have to be. And again, calling getting advice just to be sure is always best in that. Under what circumstances should an educator friend or follow their students on a personal social media account? I mean, I think it's going to be very rare that that's going to be acceptable. It's very risky. So like I said, you know, practically speaking, I'm sure that it happens quite a bit. I definitely hear stories about it uh, not being an issue, but the calls that we get are when it is an issue. And like I said, you know, most of the policies have very strict limitations or outright prohibitions on this personal social media mixing with the students. It's just, I think it's too much of a risk to really be safe unless there's actually, you have clear permission, you follow the policies and everything is above board. What about posting a photo of your students to your own personal social media account? Also very risky. I think in that case in particular, it's not just the interaction, but you know, I would not be surprised if a parent called the district if they saw a posting of a student on a teacher's social media, if it wasn't their own child just out of concern for students. The concern with a, a student's safety and their rights to privacy, especially as a minor, are so heightened that that is a case where we do see districts overreact. Mm -hmm. And they are very sensitive to parent concerns about those sorts of things. So unless you know, the district has already approved it or is asking someone to do that, which again, we see that. We see districts asking, you know, please post about this, share photos from practice or something like that. You know, if you have that sort of express permission, then you're probably okay. But if you don't, and someone does complain, that's going to be a problem. It's just going to be stressful, if nothing else. 
Now, it's not necessarily that a teacher is going to be punished. In this case, there may be a policy violation, but even when there's not, you know, it could be just an uncomfortable meeting. Like I said, if someone gets called in and, and there's, you know, it's not pleasant to be in a situation where someone's saying, you've done something wrong and we're trying to figure out how bad this is for us, that's not a pleasant place to be. So what about the often hilarious videos on TikTok and Instagram uh, about how grueling it can be to have a room full of six-year-olds for teachers? And for the most part, they're humorous, they're entertaining, but where should we draw the line between being funny and it potentially being offensive? Well, first off, as an attorney, I'm probably the worst person to ask what's funny and what's offensive <laughs> and where those lines are. Um, often depends on who my client is. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard. And it's, you know, again, like with all these things, the context matters so much. Um, I will say that I suspect that a lot of the videos that we see that are actually, you know, in a classroom where there's interactions with students were probably originally recorded by students. Uh, or there's some sort of program or buy-in from the administration. It's very risky to just assume that a post like that is going to be okay. Um, you know, a lot of times just commenting about, you know, funny things that happen at work and things like that may be fine and no one's upset. But if someone feels that, you know, their child is being called out or that this is, you know, a controversial comment, then it can become an issue. So it's, it's risky to do it, again, without some sort of clearance to make sure you're in the, you're in the safe space as far as the district is concerned. What about posts concerning your school or district policy? Well, this goes back to our previous conversation on the First Amendment. You know, teachers have rights under the First Amendment. Their employer is a public entity, so the First Amendment is triggered. But courts have been less protective than I would like, for sure, when it comes to a public employee talking about work. You know, the more it is either that speech is actually at work, so those posts from a classroom, uh, or is basically made because of work or pursuant to work is what the court usually says. Anytime that's an issue, it's more and more likely that, you know, when push comes to shove, a court would look at it and say, even though it's a public entity, it's still an employer, and this was about work, so they can take action as an employer against that educator for what they posted. What about making political statements in a post or using foul language? I mean, I think there's more of an argument in those situations that this is not, you know, about work, hopefully. Um, it's going to be more of just their personal opinion and things in their personal life. Uh, the concern is definitely districts tend to write policies that are a little bit overly broad that talk about expectations for teachers. And there's probably some confusion on this. There was a recent Supreme Court case where um, it was a student and they had posted, you know, quite a bit of foul language and it caused there was some sort of disruption at the school, and the student, I think, was kicked off a team, went to court, went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, that's not really, it wasn't really at school, it was maybe about school, but schools shouldn't be regulating that. But that's different now. That's a student. That's not an employee. And so when it's an employee, that analysis is a bit different. And we definitely see teachers being held to a higher standard, fair or not, that there's sort of that expectation. Like I said, even if it's something where the district realizes they probably shouldn't do anything official, there can be those sort of unofficial issues where it causes more tension, they're looked at with a little bit more suspicion by their administrators, and maybe just because they got those complaint calls and they're you know, then frustrated with the educator for giving them so much work and having to deal with those calls. So it can be an issue. So if they are violating a district policy, what kind of consequences should educators expect? 
Well, again, I think the, the first question, and it's important to get advice on this, is in that situation, was that actually a policy violation? Because we definitely see districts panic and overreact. You know, maybe they get one or two complaint calls, and they just assume there's some huge controversy or that some policy is violated, and they either haven't seen the post or they haven't given enough time to see if the situation becomes an issue. But if it is an actual policy violation or it causes some sort of major disruption to the district where it's a huge public controversy, you know, people are being pulled out of schools and things like that, then the district probably can take action. You know, as an employer, again, the, the courts have been pretty lenient with them when they take action against someone and it's work-related. So if it is an actual policy violation, we don't have those First Amendment protections, you know, a teacher, it's not uncommon to get a write-up saying that, you know, they've caused a disruption or created an issue or, you know, disparaged someone in the school or spoken correctly, um, and even more. You know, we see some cases where they threaten non-renewal or even termination. Again, it depends on the facts of the case, how big is the actual controversy, and it's important to know that the initial meeting is not always entirely accurate. You know, the district, again, is sometimes in panic mode, mm -hmm. and so it's important to, you know, if you go to those meetings, you have to usually attend, find out what they have to say, but then call your association and find out is this actually already an issue or is this more the district is just saying we're worried this could become an issue and they're overreacting and hoping it'll go away by putting some sort of negative pressure on the educator. Is there anything else educators need to know on this subject? I mean, I don't know if it's new. I think we've covered quite a bit there, but it is, you know, remembering that context. Now, the context of the speech is always important, just like we talked about previously when we talked about the First Amendment. Social media, the context is important, and the audience is different with social media. And like I mentioned before, you know, you may just be posting something to a small friend group, but you don't know who those friends are friends of. And you don't actually always know exactly how friendly a friend is as well. You know, sometimes they're going to share something and say, I thought this was offensive when you thought it was more of an in-joke and it was okay. With social media, it's just much more likely that's going to happen because it's so easy for things to get shared and then shared and shared and shared, and those levels increase so quickly. So just being aware of that, you know, understanding the context, and then, you know, the number one thing is know the policies. You know, that's what causes people so much panic. You know, we get these panic calls from people is because they didn't realize there was a policy. You know, they just assumed they knew that friends were doing it, so they thought it was okay, and they posted something, and then they're the one who got called out. And now they're finding out for the first time that, well, they actually could get in trouble for this. So it's better to first understand the policies, and if you're not sure, you know, get a clarification ideally from the district, and if you're in trouble, call your association, get legal advice to make sure you understand, is this actually a problem or is this just panic? Well, Jeff, thank you so much for eloquently explaining all of this to us today. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, you can send those to com at atpe.org. That's C-O-M-M -M at atpe.org. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as leave us a review. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you next time on the ATP Podcast. Thanks for listening to the ATPE Podcast. For more information about becoming part of Texas's largest community of educators, please visit atpe.org.